This is Under Understood. Hi, co-hosts. Hey, John. Hello. Once again, we're not joined by Regina. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we have a good reason for that now. Mm-hmm. We, we have a very good reason. Uh, we called Regina earlier in the week because uh, there's some personal news that's not ours to share. <laughs> the now recurring segment of Under Understood. Yes, personal news that's not ours to share. Yeah. Uh, so let's let Regina share that in a previously recorded segment. Hello? Hello, Regina. Hi. Hi. Wait. Oh, what? <laughs> I think oh, that I didn't something. take very long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do you hear some snarfs? I heard, yeah, maybe one or two. Definitely snarfing. Yeah, there's a, there's a snarfy little thing here. Okay, yeah, we were saying that... Um, yeah, we were sort of giving our listeners deja vu, saying that you've been out because you have some personal news that is not ours to share. So uh, the the floor is you is yours. What's your? The floor uh, is me. <laughs> the floor uh, is you. The floor is lava. Uh, the floor is you. I uh, had a baby, and uh, she is one month old today. Her name <gasps> is Gia. Hey. And yeah, that's that's the news. That's amazing. Well, we're so happy for you. And thank you. We all expect for you to take a good amount of time. I'm still yeah. taking my time. Um, and we'll be so happy to have you back when you are ready. Oh, thanks, Ellen, guys. Thank you, Regina. We'll- we love you, Gia. Yeah, we love you both. Yeah. Bye, guys. Okay, so just to be clear for our listeners, Adrian, you are a person. Yeah. <laughs> Regina is a person, a separate, separate person. person. Uh-huh. You had a baby. Mm-hmm. And then Regina, the separate person from you, the person, had her own person. Separate. Who is also baby. a baby. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Regina and I have a real um, thing going on. Uh, but both of you are actually in today's episode. This week, we wanted to share uh, an unsolved mystery that's been rattling around in our brains for a little while. This is, uh, we're going to air an episode of our bonus podcast, Over Understood. It's kind of a looser show, kind of a chattier thing. And um, from time to time, we bring unsolved, underunderstood mysteries onto that show when we hit uh, a wall. So that's what we're going to do today. You'll hear a mystery about the movie Sleuth that we aired earlier this year. Um, After the episode, we'll come back with a little bit of new information uh, and a general call for the audience's help in solving this nearly decade-old internet mystery. Let's do it. Hey, friends. Hi, John. Good evening. Hello. So we're going to be talking extensively about a movie tonight. The movie is from 1972. It's called Sleuth. Sleuth. I think I'm going to wind up having to give at least minor spoilers for the movie Sleuth. So uh, if for some reason you haven't seen Sleuth and you plan on seeing this movie from 1972 uh, and don't want it spoiled, maybe duck out of this one. (laughs) We just lost half our listeners. Why are you even talking anymore? Everyone's watching Sleuth. You're right. <laughs> it's a great movie, and you should probably go watch it. But uh, this is an interesting movie 
because there are like elements of even the credits of the movie that are designed to throw off the audience from what's going on inside the movie. So I want to be extra careful about spoilers for this one because it's a fun movie to go in blind to. Great. Well, thanks for asking all of us to watch it before we've gathered yeah, here well, today. The three of you are, uh, yep, it'll be spoiled for the three okay. of you. Even have any, have any of you actually seen it? No, I've never no. heard of it. Okay. Sleuth is a 1972 movie. It stars Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine. I've heard of them. I'm not watching it now. Oh, I have a thing against Michael Caine. He really, what? really, 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 yeah. Oh, it's I like really a, what? It's like a visceral. What? Yeah, he grates on you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think it's like a. I think it's like a. I saw Cider House Rules like too young situation. And uh, yeah, never got over it. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like Michael Caine. I feel like I got to stand up for him now. <laughs> it's a great name to have if you're going to be in a holiday movie. <laughs> candy. Candy. Like, That's actually candy, his middle yeah. name. Candy, candy. A lot of people don't know that. Michael yeah. Candy Cane. Yeah, with an I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is a movie that came out in 1972. It is based on a play of the same name, which I believe was d- debuted in 1970. The play and the movie are by Anthony Schaffer. It was a popular play, won a Tony for the best play that year when it was on Broadway. Uh, The movie was also quite popular. It stars Laurence Olivier as kind of a rich, eccentric dude named Andrew and Michael Caine as a less rich, less eccentric dude named Milo. (laughs) The long and short of it is that Milo shows up to Andrew's uh, lavish and eccentric estate to tell Andrew that he is in love with Andrew's wife, who he's in the middle of a divorce with. So Andrew is divorcing his wife. Milo is um, the wife's new lover. Dude, just wait it out. The wife loves Milo too. Yes, the wife loves Milo too. They're in now, yeah. There's a strange series of conversations and basically Andrew convinces Milo to stage a robbery of some jewels that Andrew has locked in a safe uh, mm. so that Milo can sell them and Andrew can collect the insurance money. And this allows Milo, this would mm. allow Milo to um, financially support Andrew's wife as they <laughs> go off together, right? This is starting to sound know. really familiar. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe I have. <laughs> so uh, there's this like extremely involved like fake robbery that happens um, and here's where the spoilers begin it turns out to be kind of a trick uh, and Andrew has been kind of playing a game with Milo the whole time Andrew Andrew's like obsessed with games and he's got a bunch of like automatons around his estate and stuff and there are these wild cuts all over the movie of these like robot animatronic things moving and looking at the camera and being it's very strange there's a mystery about this movie that doesn't have much to do with its plot and i found this on of course where else non-murder mysteries on reddit the subreddit that just keeps giving i thought you were gonna say you found them on the department of fun on wikipedia no i wish museum of hoaxes hoaxes. (laughs) hoaxes.org none of these places (laughs) uh so this was posted nine months ago by user Nalkarge and the the title is The Sleuth Saga Carries On. We'll come in and out of this post throughout the evening. I posted this mystery here maybe a year and a half ago. Unfortunately, we're no closer to a solution. 
To make a, lo- a very long story short, in the 1972 film Sleuth, a man sings three Cole Porter songs. You never see the singer, you just hear his voice on the radio. And I will pause at this moment to play you a couple minutes from about an hour into the movie Sleuth. Wait, sorry, I have a clarifying question. Yeah. I just looked this up to see if I could remember if I've seen it. Was there a 1972 version and then a 2007 version, both with Michael Caine? Not that I know of. That would be interesting. Maybe it's just like a remaster. Or uh, was he in the play? Oh, th- wow, this is a remake. Also with Michael Caine. Is, does Michael, Michael Caine play the other role? Yeah, he plays the other role in the remake. What? Oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, I feel like maybe I've seen the remake or at least a trailer Whoa. for it. That is, <laughs> this is I want, does, I, does that like play into any of the mysteries? I That would be very meta. Doubt it does. Here, I'll play you the scene. That's really interesting. Goodbye now and amen. Here's hoping we meet now and then. It was great fun, but it was just one of those things. Okay, there's a bunch of animatronic dolls, porcelain. So we're listening for three distinct songs. Yeah, the first one just played. And then it just started the second one, right? Okay, is that Laurence Olivier? Yes. Making toast. He's having a very nice bachelor night. I think that's some is that some <laughs> toast and caviar. Oh, that's caviar. Yeah, what is this? He's in a very interesting kitchen. Is this like a yeah. separate like <laughs> servant's champagne. kitchen or something? Cuz he's presumably in a really nice house and this is like some weird like basement kitchen or something. Yeah. Okay, here comes the third song. So he's got, presumably he has a Cole Porter record on. Yes. Is the mystery how many kitchens does he have in this house? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is all we need to see. Wait, what? What was the mystery? All right, so the mystery is, we just heard three Cole Porter songs. Yeah. You do something to me. Just one of those things, and anything anything goes. goes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to the Reddit post. This person writes, no one knows who the singer is. His name isn't in the credits at IMDb or anywhere. Oh. Hmm. So, in the credits of the movie, the credits say words and music by Cole Porter by arrangement with Warner Brothers Publishing, with no other information about who's singing the song or what band that is or anything like that. That's unusual, right? And are these songs available anywhere else outside of the, outside of the film? Oh, yeah. These are real Cole Porter songs. No, been... no, no. I mean these recordings. No, they're not on the soundtrack of the movie. They're n- no one 
we'll get into this, but there is an extensive search for these versions of the songs, and they don't seem to be available anywhere but in this movie. Hmm. Hmm. Your first thought might be, is this actually Cole Porter? Wait, Cole Porter singing? Yeah. The quality of the of the recordings sounds like something from the 30s, like contemporary of Cole Porter. But would the recording itself have sounded that good? I mean, the recording, let's listen to Cole Porter singing. Okay. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was a look of something shocking. Um, it's not the same person. Anything goes. Eh, to me, this sounds like way more gramophony. That's what I'm saying, the voice especially. Well, what's interesting about this recording is it's actually Cole Porter's voice, but the orchestra was added uh, much more, much later. Makes sense. Yeah, because when it first came in, I was like, oh, that sounds way better than I would expect it to for a recording from the 30s. If you want to hear the original, original recording of that. Um, in olden days, a glimpse of stocking was a look of something shocking, but now God knows. This is what it sounded like in the original recording of it. But anyway. Was he recording in a granite quarry? <laughs> yes, he was. This is before they invented the Blue Yeti microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which fixed every problem yeah. with, Classic, with recorded Classic, high-quality recorder. Yes. All right, so um, I think we can rule out Cole Porter as the singer of the version, as the singer of the versions in Sleuth. This person on Reddit links to a soundtrackcollector.com forum thread, mm-hmm. which uh, began in 2006, is the first post. Uh, And it reads, I've been trying to find out for years the man who performs the Cole Porter songs featured in the movie Sleuth. 19, they say 1974, but it was 1972. Directed by Joseph Mankiewicz with Michael Caine and Laurence Olivier. The movie opening and ending credits only mention music and lyrics by Cole Porter next to three song titles. The movie soundtrack also does not include these songs. Only the music composed and conducted by John Addison. I have listened to internet samples of these songs sung by various artists, but have not found a conducive conclusive match. Not even that it would be Cole Porter himself. The voice of the man singing supposedly on the radio in the movie is warm and melodious. Whereas Cole Porter's is a higher pitched one though. I can't tell for sure. Can anyone help with the mystery guy? Um, Replies on this thread go from 2006 to 2021. Long running. So this has been going on for Many, many years. I'll read you a couple of the things in this thread. One says, To me, it's much more likely that this track was performed by Cole Porter himself, or perhaps by Mel Torme. And they link, and I found a, a recording of Mel Torme, and I will say, it does not sound anything like the singer in Sleuth. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something what? shocking. Now heaven knows anything goes. This is like an Italian American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this person <laughs> like is putting 50s. a lot more pizzazz. He's really zhuzhing it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another person writes If you listen to the vocals of Al Boley, who sang for Ray Noble and his orchestra, UK, they sound very much like the same person. Uh, so here's a. Sample of Al Boley. The little ordinary things that everyone ought to do. I feel like the like mm. quality of the recording sounds similar, maybe. And I'm I think the quality of his voice is pretty close too. Yeah, it's a little more like kind of high and floaty. Yeah. 
I still think the one from the movie was had less personality. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's maybe fair. I get that. Yeah. Also, I mean, would the assumption be that these are new recordings that they made for the film? Because that would be my assumption. And therefore, I wouldn't think it would be anyone mm-hmm. from the 30s, or I would think it would be a singer from the 70s. Yeah. Mm. Like, hmm. just a studio musician. So, yeah, my assumption would just be that they they did these recordings for the film, and they presented mm-hmm. it presented it as if they were a record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Billy, what you're saying was pretty much where things started coalescing on this on this soundtrack forum. Uh, another post reads, the only credit which is given is to Cole Porter. This means there's no publisher slash performer slash or recorder rights which are recognized. So what does this mean? Well, this possibly means that the music was created specifically for the movie by the producers with an agreement to keep the performer a mystery man without facing legal battles. Wait, wouldn't you still need, you would still need publishing rights if you were gonna... Yeah, and the credits do say, they mentioned Warner Publishing. Oh, okay. Although the music itself sounds authentically old, this doesn't mean it is. They could have used old techniques of recording fused with old styles of singing. Who knows? Yeah, or it could have just been someone like going like, hurrah, 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 hurrah. You know? <laughs> I, I think was it was Billy. Billy. It was yeah. Billy. <laughs> or anything oh my God. It was mystery solved. <laughs> you just got to like imagine you're the like WB frog or whatever, you know? <laughs> Hello, my Did baby. that exist yeah. yet? Maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Okay, another user on this forum writes uh, with like a little more uh, detail. There are a number of giveaways if you listen closely. One, the arrangements of You Do Something to Me and Anything Goes do not stylistically fit the big band music of the period in that they start with Mm -hmm. a vocal verse instead of an instrumental verse. More specifically, in Anything, more significantly, in Anything Goes, there are multiple instrumental verses after the vocal verse, which very conveniently occur exactly when the characters in the film start talking. The length of You Do Something to Me is barely over two minutes, short for a 78 of this style. A 78 was a speed of record. Hmm. Uh, the snare fill played by the drummer at the beginning of Anything Goes, right after the bell rings, is uncharacteristic of the period. It's also quite loud and trebly, which wasn't easily captured in older recordings. Uh, and this says, in the same song, in the first measure of the verse, the guitar and bass play a figure with a strong backbeat that would sound more common in the rock era. Rhythm sections didn't play like this in the 30s. It's like they recorded wow. a 90s hip-hop song with a uh, trap drum roll. Right, yeah. Yeah. A sin. It seems like they put a lot of work into this recreation. It sounded good, right? Like, it sounded convincing and nice. Uh, I really like the guy's voice. If we follow this line of thought that it was recorded for the movie, we can look at IMDb, the music department. Um, In the actual credits on the movie, there was only one person credited for music, the conductor slash music arranger, John Addison. John Addison died in 1998. And then there are these two uncredited music department roles, music arranger, colon, songs. That was Gary Hughes. He died in 1978. And then there's music engineer, uncredited, Eric Tomlinson, who died in 2015. Wow. So the entire music department of this movie is dead now. All right, <laughs> May they rest in peace. Yeah, mad rips. Uh, so the Reddit post that I got all this from, the, the poster on, on Reddit said that I first asked who the singer was at the old IMDb boards in 2016, thinking it would be an easy solve. 
So I found that original thread. It's been archived on some other IMDb. I don't understand how this works, but there's some secondary IMDb forum that I think might be unofficial or something. Oh, it's it's, like, it's imdb2.freeforums.net <laughs> is the URL of this what? place. It's like pre-Bezos IMDb. And the name of the forum is IMDb v2.1. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if in the early days of IMDb <laughs> they were using a third-party bulletin board system as, oh, that as you think their would web have, like, form. Art? And then maybe... Yeah, someone just transferred it to like a free bulletin board and it's just existed there and no one's done anything about it. I don't know. That would be my theory. I have no idea, but apparently this Reddit poster had originally done this whole investigation starting in 2016 on the IMDb forums and then copied what they, where they were into this other forum in 2017. So we get kind of like the beginning of a thread. This forum thread is 20 pages long. And it stretches from, I guess, content from 2016 through 2021. Wow. <laughs> and the Reddit user here goes by the name Salzmank, S-A-L-Z-M-A-N-K. And they are a revered member with 13,968 posts on this forum. Wow. Dang. So they're not just dipping in to float an idea and then leaving. They're... No, this person is very devoted to solving who is the singer in Sleuth. I'll read, I guess, a few of their posts here. I, again, looked up composer John Addison's page on Wikipedia. Mr. Addison is no longer with us, but he, of course, wrote the music for Sleuth. Well, what do I see? Addison's collection of correspondence, scores, and studio recordings were donated to the Film Music Archives at Brigham Young University in 1994. So I went to the BYU Film Music Archives and oh saw God. advertised on the front page that it still has Addison's papers and collection. I emailed the archives <laughs> curator, James Dark, this morning. He still has yet to respond to me, but it's a step in the right direction, no? I will copy his response, or the crux thereof, here as soon as he responds, if he does. And? 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 Did he? Like, over a week later, jackpot. I just <gasps> received an email from Dark. He states that while this request is unusual and he normally couldn't do anything without my being a patron of the BYU library because the mystery has been going <laughs> on so long and he's curious about it now. He's going to start investigating anyway. So uh, how's that for news? Wow. Of course, he may not discover anything and we'll have to go back to the drawing board <laughs> once again, but it's a definite step. Wow. I, okay. I feel like that was an incorrect use of jackpot. You know, <laughs> hey, pro bono work at the BYU library. That's jackpot as far as I'm concerned. How much do we need to donate to the BYU library? I <laughs> think they'll do it for a hundred bucks. So it seems like the Brigham Young University thread just kind of died. I can't find any answers from, from that thread. But uh, this person did get in touch with the Academy of Arts and uh, Academy of Motion Motion Picture Arts and Sciences and got another response from one of these like pro bono <laughs> uh, libraries. The finding aid to the Joseph Mankiewicz papers is available in manuscripts inventories. Joseph Mankiewicz was the director of Sleuth. As a courtesy, I looked at the Sleuth material. There appears to be nothing in the papers on the music. Have you contacted the Musicians Union or Equity in the UK? I'm assuming the unions would be involved if the recording and singer were contemporary to the film. Hmm. Um, and, and that doesn't seem to have gone anywhere. Where would you 
all look for answers to this because I won't I'll I won't read endless forum threads, but this person went to the ends of the earth trying to find anyone who would who would know the answer to this. I'm impressed. Um I mean this is a years long journey that this person has gone on in this forum. So has anyone talked has anyone looked into people who did post production on the film? Yeah. Someone who worked on the movie. Presumably this was yeah, this wasn't captured yeah, you know, in the actual scene, right? Like here's what you do. You write a fake email <laughs> from the creator of the music and say you failed to license this music and you owe me 40 years oh. of royalties. <laughs> and then it gets escalated. And then they come back and say, no, actually the music was done by so-and-so. We don't owe you anything. Well, And we, we could set up an entire <laughs> fake website with a fake like band and make other songs. <laughs> I think your <laughs> point like, is valid, though. It's like us. this movie has been uh, released, like has been released in recent years, right? Like it's on Blu-ray or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would think they would check to make sure all of this stuff is oh, that's properly licensed, right? There, so there has to be someone keeping account of, oh, are we actually clear to include that song in this release of the film? Or do we need to cut somebody a check or, you know, whatever. The thing is, though... I would assume that type of person, like someone who handles like the legal technicalities of licensing, is less likely to like do a casual interview for a podcast than say like <laughs> the person who curates music for a f- the film in the first place or whatever. I, I'm not sure this would really get us closer though if it was recorded for the film. Like, well, but they, I don't know anything about licensing music for film, but. Uh, wouldn't you expect... But they could at least tell you that much. That person might not know the singer, but they might have some sort of paper trail of accounting that could lead to the singer. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because someone in one of these forums did contact who they... they I don't have the name in front of me, but they they contacted someone who they think is the only living member of the crew. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. In this movie. Why, I know. Why, was, <laughs> why was everybody who worked on this so ancient? I don't, yeah, I don't. Or or accident prone? I don't know. Uh, but that person was like, "It's a good question, and I'm intrigued. I don't know the answer. I think you'd basically have to like follow the money. Like, who got paid for this? Like, how is, who? How is there <laughs> only one person still alive? Michael Caine's still alive, and in the clip you played, he seemed old, like he always seems in everything. It's <laughs> true. He's been old since age twelve. I mean, I'm looking down the IMDb page. It's not like that many people. It's maybe. 20 people? It does seem a lot to die between 1972 and now, huh? It also seems like not that many people to have worked on a film. Was Michael Caine replaced? <laughs> How did... You're saying he died on... Yeah. In sleep? Wow. I don't know. No one else made it. He's still around. A little suspicious, don't you think? Hmm. Oh, it's like an Avril Lavigne replaced? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Wait, like Avril Lavigne replaced? What? Oh, dude, come on. Where God, you been? Sean, you got to get up with your internet conspiracies. I don't know what this is, but I'm guessing it is the idea is that Avril Lavigne's been replaced by a clone of Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really good, though. Yeah, he was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy, and then <laughs> left, and then they replaced her with another one. Never been the same since. The original's off oh. with a skater boy somewhere. <laughs> 
Okay. Where were we? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Let me go back to the Reddit post where this first came to my attention. Ah, okay. So like years into this thread on the former or current, I don't know, IMDb forum, whatever this thing is, the the, the original poster finds something and they're like, this is the singer. I, I think I found the singer. And let me play you this track. It is from the movie Blade Runner. Oh. One more kiss, dear. One more sigh. Only this, dear. What do you think? I like this. It is good. To me, this sounds the most similar. It's similar. It's a, I'm not. It seems like a generic, convinced. similar style. Yeah, exactly. It just feels kind of vague. Like it's certainly in the same style, but so yeah. But that's not a Cole Porter song. No, it was written for Blade Runner by Vangelis, who did the score. The song is called "One More Kiss, Dear." Okay, so it was also a something written in 80s or 90s to sound like something from the 40s, right? All the facts like line up here, but I don't know. They write on Reddit, that singer has a name, Don Percival. The most information I can find on him is his obituary, obituary, also dead. He was primarily a music producer, not a singer, but Vangelis liked Percival's demo so much that he left it in the film. I have not been able to find a single other song Percival sang, and I tried this too. There are another, no other Don Percival songs on the internet to compare this to. Only this Blade Runner thing. I'll play you. I guess I'll play the Sleuth song again. Yeah. Let's yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound the same to me. And we'll compare that to Blade Runner. It's similar. For in time we may have mm-hmm. It's I mean it's the same style of singing I guess you could say. I don't know if it's clearly I I don't know if it stands out to me as like definitely the same voice. This is the issue to me with it. It's like they're both so purposely generically stylized to be this style. Right. That I, I, like I'm it could be Right. It's it's like the most generic. If you told someone who could do like impressions to sing in this style, this is just what it would sound like. Like the WB frog. <laughs> like the WB frog. So I guess, yeah, I'm not, there's no proof. This is like the end of the road. This, mm. this forum, this IMDb forum seems to have coalesced around this being Don Percival, who sang a song in Blade Runner, just because they sound alike. But I feel like the deepest they were able to get beyond just kind of internet digging is like a promise of some research at a library. I think, well, I mean, it went, it did go deeper than that. I just didn't feel like there are 20 pages of these things. And it's like (laughs) little by little, they keep finding dead ends. It's like, it all kind of comes back to the same. It's not worth reading here. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll read the final post on the Soundtrack Collectors Forum. This is from May of 2021, so this is just months ago. I have long wondered which recordings I heard in Sleuth. This evening I was listening to a Bill Seville CD, 
music from 1959, and it somehow reminded me of the mystery music in Sleuth, and it's probably 35 years ago since I last saw the film. That's how I came here. I have listened closely to the three songs on YouTube, and although the singer sounds a lot like Sam Brown, it is not him. <laughs> Brown would never have would never reach for that top note at the end of the second song. At least I've never oh, heard him do that. Shade. Not evidence. Neither is it a stare, Boley, O'Malley, or any of the other suggestions here. The arrangements, although modeled on British dance bands of the 30s, are contemporary, as in from 1972, recreations. Taylor made for the film, I gather. Yes. That does leave the original question unanswered, I'm afraid. This person's writing style is uh But it's beautiful. But it was a major <laughs> studio film in the 70s. They, if they commissioned songs for the film, they, I assume they keep receipts for that kind of stuff. From 1972? Okay. I don't know. Yeah, in a major Especially studio. Especially if it was, I don't know, if it was like done by the music department of the film, do you, I feel like it's just like part of the soundtrack, right? Well, yeah, then they would account, I would feel like all that stuff would be well accounted for. Hmm. Uh, my other question is, how common is it that it's, like, hard to find uh, an artist for a song or a song? Because we watched Blade the other day, and I was trying to find a song. And there, I think we found it, but there were some people on the internet who were having trouble finding it also. And in the end, I wasn't 100% sure that the song was the one I was looking for. It's like another backgroundy thing where it's like a band playing on stage mm. at a club. I don't know how common it is. This one I think probably is more intriguing because it sounded old. Like they've done something to these particular songs to purposely make them f- like it's source music in the scene. He's like playing a record. Right. So I think the it's easy to assume that this was an uh, these were recordings that existed and put in the movie. I mean, I think there's a lot of music that's unaccounted for in the digital world. I mean, there are people who try to make up for that, like uploading, you know, like vinyl rips to YouTube and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that uncommon for there to be recordings of things that are just impossible to, to track down if you don't know where to start. But the unique thing in this case is like, we know where to start. It, the the most reasonable <laughs> explanation seems to be that it was commissioned for this film. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some kind of record for that somewhere. So I don't know. I want to like, th- this forum seems to have died down in like May, content with the, with the supposed knowledge that this guy is the same singer from Blade Runner, but with no proof of it. And I feel like mm-hmm. for a thing that started in 20, 2006, the, the... They really settled... Yeah. Yeah, like we I think the bar is higher and I really want to like either confirm or find the other answer to this. Um but I also understand that like this is a it's been going on for so long that uh if one person could find the answer they would have already. So this is why I also thought it would be good to present here to our patrons because if anyone has any ideas about mm-hmm. how to find this, we can, you know, do this collectively. This is a fun one to dig into too because I feel like music and stuff like this is like fun to yeah, and you're not going to dox anyone because it seems like everyone involved in any capacity with this is dead. <laughs> so you're saying we are uh, we are easing on our no doxing rule if uh, all parties <laughs> involved dead. are dead? Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. If you're dead, you can't be doxed. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> if we could get like an archivist at the at BFI, you know, that feels like a helpful mm-hmm. lead. Mm. 
seems like it's in their archive. I also feel like there are people who just specialize in this type of this type of stuff, like people who clear samples for major yeah. record record labels and stuff where like mm-hmm. they might not even know by the time it gets to them where that thing was even sampled from and stuff. Oh, totally. I found a music cue sheet. I found a cue sheet. Hold on. For this movie? Yeah. Hold on. Sorry. Oh my god. How did you find this? I went to the BFI archive and then I did a collection search for everything, all the paperwork for this film. Hmm. Item detail, John Addison. Who is that again? That was uh, the music editor, right? John Addison was the conductor slash music arranger. But I think I think John Addison was the composer, actually, of the score. I, I can't load it. Is it supposed to load, though? I don't know. So I think this is a physical, a physical thing. Yeah, access to the collections is by appointment at BFI South Bank. Ooh, oh, let's go, go. Our appointment times are Tuesday through Thursday. Collections are all held off-site at the BFI National Archive, and demand for materials is high, so it's best to give hmm. as much notice as possible, typically two to three weeks. That's not that much notice. Do we have any listeners in the South Bank in London? That would be easy. I feel like we have to. I don't, I mean... Um. Oh, wow. Step. Okay. Sorry. I'm now just, hmm? I'm now going down. Yep. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> a lead. <laughs> a fresh lead. I think we just need to all go. <laughs> to South Bank? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're back in the present. Hello. Hi. Hi. Have either of you solved this mystery yet? No. No. Uh, Have you? No. uh, No. Unfortunately, I haven't. Okay. So what do we talk about now? Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I have a little bit of new information about this. Okay. So since we aired the bonus episode, I've uh, been in an email correspondence with the original Reddit and forum poster who goes by Nalkarj. Uh-huh. Null Karge. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked this person how they how we should pronounce the name, and they didn't really know, but they suggested Null Karge. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever asked me that question before. Yeah. Uh Null Karge declined a, an actual interview, but we we went back and forth a while and and they kind of gave me the whole rundown on like the current state of the mystery now, which is not so different from what we knew. But um I want to read a couple passages from these emails. So first Narcarge says. One problem with solving this thing is that the company that made Sleuth, Palomar Pictures International, which also produced a bunch of other famous 70s movies, The Stepford Wives and The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, folded soon after Sleuth came out. 20th Century Fox was just the distributor. (laughs) Was that a cause and effect? (laughs) Who knows? So looking for information from Palmer Pictures International is a little bit obscured by the fact that it no longer existed and it folded shortly after the movie came out. It, that could that could be a barrier, but it also could help because they didn't really do anything after Sleuth, it sounds like, right? Or didn't do much after oh, Sleuth. Oh, so you're saying the amount of information related to this company is finite? Yeah, it could just all be in a storage unit somewhere and they didn't accumulate any other stuff for you to have to sift through. You just got to go to the mm. front of the storage unit. I mean, where is the storage unit? The uh, Hollywood? I'm just imagining what the storage unit would be for a defunct 
<laughs> production company. <laughs> I I just assume there are a lot of storage units like this in Hollywood. I don't know. It's Actually, like this is, kind of this is right. becoming a thing in like yeah, you see in documentaries sometimes or whatever with celebrities where it's like they they film like going to their storage unit to go through some stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nalkarj also writes, as for people who are still alive, early on I reached out to the sound department crew member Graham V. Hartstone. According to IMDb, he's not only still alive, but also still working on sound editing. Hmm. He wrote me a nice oh. email in which he's gotten a few emails about the sleuth singer, but he doesn't know who the person is. Oh, wow. So, Other people are asking about this. I know. How could he not? <laughs> I mean, he's a sound editor. I don't know if you'd necessarily know the singer of the piece of music that you've been given to <laughs> put in the movie. And no leads? No fresh leads from him? No, no. Okay. Uh, Nalkarj goes on. Another problem here is that Warner Brothers Publishing, which the movie credits for the songs, is no longer owned by Warner Brothers. And then parentheses, oi, right? It's owned by Alfred Music, which I emailed in 2019. A customer service rep simply said, we do not have any information about this here at Alfred Music. And that was that. <laughs> Please leave us alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Please tell your internet friends to leave us alone. Uh-huh. So at the end of that episode, we kind of touched on uh, the fact that the British Film Institute might have records about mm-hmm. Sleuth. So Regina actually reached out to the out to BFI. They, um, we, we, I think we assumed in the first conversation that we would ha- someone would have to go there physically to go through the records at BFI. Mm-hmm. You can actually pay them a small fee for someone on their staff to go find a record and send you a digitized copy of it, which is what Regina did. So. It took about three weeks to get this back, but they sent back the sleuth cue sheet. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So I can drop this PDF into Slack. Uh, here you go. Okay. okay cool. So what am I looking <laughs> for here? Oh, wow. This is like, looks like it's been tea stained. This looks like the thing that we want. It does look yeah. like the thing that it we want. It has the yeah, composer this is, of the track. Yeah. This is a, it's a scanned it's five pages long. It's a scanned piece of paper with a bunch of like typewriter written um, information. And if you've ever worked in TV or film, you might be familiar with the okay, music cue okay. sheet. This is like every piece of music in the movie kind of laid out with um, which reel it's on, what the title of the piece is, the description, who composed it, who arranged it, who did lyrics, the publisher, the length, and visual slash background. I think it's a delineation between whether this is a visual cue or a background track of some sort okay so where are we looking here what page okay so here uh real 13 anything goes parentheses incorrectly played what this must be something that happens in the movie there must be a oh and then anything goes human voice anything goes human voice composed by cole porter arranged by and it's blank blank Uh lyrics by cole porter and publisher chapels and then there's a handwritten note that says warner brothers publishing chapels okay it uh, chapels appears here on other cues on other on the other cole porter songs and in every case it says chapels and then a handwritten near it is warner brothers publishing and uh this is basically the same company it seems like chapels warner chapel warner chapel is a thing so that's what they mean by chapels presumably yeah i don't think it's normally I don't think it's normally the possessive form, like chapels. But since they wrote 
Since they wrote Warner next to it, it's probably, yeah, Warner Chapel, the publishing company. This must have been some kind of weird error, too, that they had to handwrite on this cue sheet every time it says Chapel's Warner Brothers Publishing. Right. In any event, though, uh, this is not particularly new information, and on all of the Cole Porter songs, uh, the arranger is either uh, Jay Addison, uh, Gary Hughes, or no one. Okay, so wait, hold on. new names. Yeah. So, Warner Chapel was originally Chapel and Co. And as far as I can tell, it wasn't acquired by Warner. Chapel Co. wasn't acquired by Warner Communications until 1987. Okay. So this was in 1972, this movie, right? So You think someone wrote on the cue sheet after the acquisition? I don't, 10 years later? 15 years later, right? Oh, that's possible. It's worth investigating. Also not related to Cole Porter, but here at the bottom, I, I like this note. Please note, if there's an intermission in this film and music is used for play-in, a further two minutes of music composed and arranged by John Addison will be used at the beginning of Reel 7. Kind of fun. <laughs> but not our answer. Uh, and you might also remember that Nal Karge's forum posts, uh, they all started congealing around this mm-hmm. idea that the singer might be someone named Don Percival. Well, here's what Nal Karge wrote in their email to me. As for the Don Percival thing, I'm increasingly unsure Percival is the man, unfortunately. Everything seemed to be lining up so nicely. Right place, right time, right style, non-professional singer, friends with head of Warner Brothers. But now I think Percival's a bit higher pitched than the sleuth guy. I don't know. Huh. They're like, everything is lining up with all of these theories that we made up in our forum threads about it being a non-professional singer. <laughs> Except that it doesn't sound like the same person. I actually agree with this. I don't think these are the same people. I think it's someone else. Right. Seems unlikely. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's clearly a professional singer. Right. This is, oh, this is like the masked singer. Someone who can sing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who it is. <laughs> it's Rudy, Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani. <laughs> Yeah, how old was he in 1972? Yeah, so uh, still an unsolved mystery. He was born in 1944. Prime pop singing age then in 1972. Prime crooner age. Well, uh, if you have any information about whether this is (laughs) Don Percival or Rudy Giuliani or someone else, um, or if you you have an idea about where to look for this, we would like to know it. And I'm sure... Nalkarj would also like to know about it because this is going on many, many, many years of being a mystery and no one knows the answer. Email us at hello at underunderstood.com. I think, honestly, I think the next step is we need to show this cue sheet to someone who might have a better idea if there is any key takeaways from looking at this. I think it's easy to dismiss it, but... Maybe someone like the sound editor or someone who is just like active at the time might have mm, some point. more useful takeaway from it. Nalkarj also said that uh, Ryan Johnson is a known sleuth fan. Okay. <laughs> and I wonder if somehow getting this cue sheet to him oh, could. Right. Not that he would know anything about strings. it, but that he could maybe make a call. Right. But like would spark enough interest to, yeah, go after it. Uh, yeah. So Ryan Johnson, uh, we know you're underunderstood super fan so hit us up when you hear this (laughs) (laughs) oh and by the way if you enjoy uh unsolved mysteries like this we put them all the time in our patreon only feed over understood this was actually an episode of that so um if that interests you consider becoming a patron for five dollars a month you'll also hear about babies there first there's gonna be a lot of baby talk on this show coming up i'm warning you i have some baby 
inspired yes. questions. And I need answers. <laughs>